Warning, this podcast contains some spoilers for Mortal Kombat 2021. Toasty! Mortal Kombat! <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi there, I'm James, and uh, welcome back to Deleted Scenes, where we talk about movies to a wall and sometimes guests. So, if you weren't able to pick up there from the intro I just did, uh, today we are talking about Street Fighter. No, joking. We are talking about Mortal Kombat. In particular, we are talking about Mortal Kombat 2021. Now, as many of you podcast listeners know, as you've probably heard me mention it several, several times, this was by far my most anticipated film of 2021. There are so many films coming out in 2021, hopefully. You've The Green Knight, you've The French Dispatch, you've hopefully No Time to Die if that decides to come out. Why Mortal Kombat? (laughs) Out of all these films, it sort of just sounds like it doesn't belong, you know, with the list. But this is by far one of my favourite video game franchises of all time. And it's also one of the most iconic video game franchises of all time. Now, there are many reasons why I and millions across the globe absolutely love this franchise. It started way back in the 90s, it got in a lot of controversy because of all its violence and stuff, but I've broken it down nearly to just three different factors as to why I absolutely adore Mortal Kombat. You have the lore, you have the gore, and you have the fun. I couldn't think of a third rhyme, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, let's start off with the lore then, shall we? What makes Mortal Kombat's lore very good? Well, Mortal Kombat does something very different to a lot of fighting games, and that is have a good story, because that's very hard to do in a fighting game, because it's literally just setting up the next fight, then setting up the fight after that, and so on and so forth, until you save a world, or you win a tournament, or something like that. And while Mortal Kombat definitely falls into that, it expands on the idea. It makes it so much better, because it sets it in such a grandiose, such an immersive world, and it all just sort of feels alive. You look at the characters, there's such a huge cast of characters, hundreds at this stage, because of how long the series has been going on, and they're all so different and various. They all have different personalities, they all have different reasons to be there, they all have different factions, they're all from different realms, they all have different powers, they all have different relationships with each other. Some are mortal enemies, some are best friends, and it all just weaves into this one interconnected, extremely detailed world that just sort of sets the scene much better than any sort of bare-bones story could. You have all the things to do with the Mortal Kombat tournament itself, how it's basically preventing Outworld, this big evil realm, from invading and taking over all of Earth realm, which is basically Earth, if you'd imagine. (laughs) But yeah, it does that in such an amazingly interesting way. The characters, especially in the Netherrealm games, so originally Mortal Kombat was made by Midway, who made all the arcade games, they made the SNES games and the Mega Drive games, all the way up until they got bankrupt, and then Netherrealm bought the rights to Mortal Kombat, and ever since, they've had their own rebooted sort of version. With Mortal Kombat 9, they did something that was revolutionary for me. They took the Midway continuity, and instead of just completely saying, nope, it doesn't exist, it very much does something different, because it involves a lot of time travel stuff. We reached the end of, I think it was Mortal Kombat Armageddon and everyone's dead, they lost, and instead of going with that continuity, continuing from there, they go back in time, they change events, that causes different things to happen, and it sets up the Netherrealm story, whilst also acknowledging the fact that at one point Midway existed. <laughs> but the characters, you really sort of care for these characters, more than just like, oh I play as him, he has better fight style. You want to see these characters progress in the story, because they have actual personality to them. Like Johnny Cage, he's an asshole, like sort of Hollywood actor, but over time, as you go through the games, he becomes a father, he matures, and even in Mortal Kombat 11, he meets his younger self again due to more time travel nonsense. And 
you just see how much he's changed. You see how much he's grown as a character. And that's what you want. You want to be able to look back and go like, oh, that was a completely different character two games ago. Look how much he's grown as a person. And that's the thing. You want to see them achieve the greater goal of like saving the world or whatever is going on at the time. But then you also want to see them achieve their personal goals. You want to see them grow as actual characters and Mortal Kombat always delivers on that. Not to mention the fact that it is just extremely entertaining. Like, as I said, time travel. There's also Elder Gods, there's magic, there's cyborgs, there's ninjas, there's the Nether Realm, which is basically hell, and that has revenants who are dead sort of warriors who turn evil. There's wizards, there's the army. There's so much going on and you are just swept up in the middle of this world. It's all so various, so scattered, but it all works. It all connects together in one fluid way. And that's just mind-blowing to me that it can make it so ridiculous, so out there, so crazy, but it can also make it an extremely engaging story with great characters and great world building. That is very hard to do. Next up you have the gore. Now this is what Mortal Kombat has been infamous for since day one because of its patented fatality system where you beat up someone brutally and you win the match, but at the end you get finish him or finish her or whatever it is and you get to basically do an extremely disgusting finishing move which is extremely visceral and gory not really in the earlier games when they were really upset about it that was more just spine ripping you know that was like yeah or like getting yourself burned to bits because like scorpion pulls off his face and his skeleton just breathes fire at you there's all this stuff nowadays though with modern technology you have some real crazy stuff like you have kung leo with his big blade hat he throws that on the ground it starts spinning like a saw blade and then he pulls someone through slicing them right down the middle in half you have Shao Kahn with his big hammer and he knocks the person on the ground hits them so hard in the head with his hammer their head goes bursting out the back of their anus <laughs> it's extremely disgusting but it is hilarious at the same time it is it's like Deadpool it's so absurd and so disgusting and over the top that you can't help but laugh and you just want to see every single fatality and every variation of how you can just brutally murder someone it is hilarious and that's not even mentioning just like the rest of the combat like the gore and that like as I said even in Mortal Kombat 11 which I recently finished you have these things called fatal blows where if you're low enough life you can do a super move where you can just sort of get a footing and rip into the person like for instance with Scorpion he gets two knives he stabs the person in both eyes and then he like slams their head on the ground and then he stomps on them and then like oh it's just it's disgusting but it's amazing and like Mortal Kombat X you have the x-ray moves where you just see every detail of every rib you've broken or every like tooth you've just sent flying it's it is just hilarious it is legitimately it is one of the reasons why people come back but it is not the main reason as I said the lore and the story completely shocked me as I said yeah, so basically you come for the gore, but you stay for the lore, is what I have found. And that combines into the third thing. It is just obscenely fun. The combat, the gameplay, it is really fluid, it is really tactical at the same time, and you can really pull off some stupidly fun moves. Like, as I said, you look at stuff like Liu Kang's bicycle kick, where you can just be sending someone flying across the stage as you stomp on their face in midair. Then you have stuff like Scorpion with his spear chain thing, where he just, like, throws it, and he's like, get over here, and he pulls the person across the stage and punches them and stuff. Like, everyone has these iconic moves that are so fun to learn. All these different combos, and you eventually become really skilled with characters. You can actually confidently play them until you go online, that is, and you get yourself destroyed. Like, I finished the story, as I said. I tried going online for the first time recently. I would not recommend it. My self-esteem 
was out the window, but uh, that's besides the point. The game is extremely fun to play, and that is also in combination, as I said, with the crazy levels of just violence and hilarity that ensues through the gameplay with the fatalities and such, and then, as I said, the overall setting of the greater world, the greater story that keeps you invested, keeps you playing, keeps you pushing through to the end of the story. It all just works so well. It all just combines into one of the most insanely fun, extremely gory, and unbelievably investing video game experiences I've ever had. And that is why I was so excited for the movie, because they have attempted movies before. They have had two. They have had Mortal Kombat 1995, and they have Mortal Kombat Annihilation. One of the two is good. It is the former. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is one of the single worst movies I've ever seen. I might do an entire podcast based on that myself. Now, I quite enjoyed Mortal Kombat 1995. It had its problems like for instance it just didn't replicate the game in a lot of ways because of stuff like it was pg-13 that meant it couldn't have blood it meant it took out the one thing that at the time a lot of people were going for which was the gory fatalities that were extremely over the top there were none of those but what it did have was characters and the world sure it was greatly shrunk down in size in terms of scale because of like it's a movie rather than a big long video game series but for what it had i thought it did a pretty decent job i actually find that film quite entertaining in a lot of ways sure it has its problems but it was quite good it was a good example of how to do a video game movie pretty well it did stuff like it brought across the world it had shang Tsung's island and the whole mortal kombat tournament and everything like that it had a lot of characters in it, it had Liu kang and it's sonya and it had johnny cage it had a lot of different characters that were actually done quite accurately, quite well for, you know, the 90s. It had its highlights, especially, like, there were some good, some bad, like, Shang Tsung, Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, he is Shang Tsung, he is the only Shang Tsung I will ever accept in a movie again, because he was perfect in his role. Him going about all campy, like, because he's basically an evil wizard and he's just going around, Your soul is mine. He nailed it. He he was the best thing about that movie, in my opinion. Then you had other things, like, you had Christopher Lambert as Raiden, and he was just very weird. Like, <laughs> Raiden's meant to be Asian, and in this case, he was French. <laughs> and he acted just very strange. He was just like, he had this really weird laugh. He would be like, <laughs> he talked very weird. Your sideshow freaks attack my fighters. That is expressly forbidden before the tournament. Like, it sounds like he's smoking like 20 packs a day before he even gets to the tournament. Your, si <laughs> Your sideshow freaks attacked my fighters. That is expressly forbidden before the tournament. <coughs> okay, I'm not doing that. Oh god. Yep, we're, we're playing the clip instead. <laughs> but there was kind of an endearing thing about it that I find very... I, I wasn't born in the 90s or anything like that, but I find him very nostalgic when I look at video game movies for that reason. Because, like as I said, everything is just slightly off. Then you have stuff like, I think they really messed up Scorpion and Sub-Zero, despite them being very entertaining. The Scorpion fight in the woods, that's very well choreographed, very well done. They don't get some characters right. In a lot of cases, it's very much, hey, it's that guy, remember him? And, like, they don't sort of explore anything like for instance scorpion and sub-zero which i'll get onto later they have a bitter rivalry that just isn't looked at at all they're just in this they're working together so it's like they get stuff wrong but this was the film that set the bar for mortal kombat movies i as i said annihilation i don't even want to talk about that right now it is unbelievably bad the cgi the characters everything about it they just do so awful but that's besides the point 1995's mortal kombat was the bar that was set for the 2021 version. And did it reach that bar? In some ways, yes. 
in other ways, no. I honestly look at them probably equally, if not slight preference towards one or the other based on certain factors. Let's just get into it, shall we? Now, this film had a lot going for it. I was so unbelievably excited for this movie, but it was for specific reasons. Mainly, a lot of them spouted from this one trailer that we got. That is still one of my favourite movie trailers ever, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love this movie trailer still, I watched it before recording this podcast, and it still just captures that excitement of finding out there's a Mortal Kombat movie being made. So I was seeing these different things, and it just, I got lost in the promotional material, I really got excited for it, for a lot of reasons, which I'll get onto now. First off, as soon as I saw that red band screen, I knew we were finally getting what we want with Mortal Kombat. It was finally getting an R rating. It could finally be gory. It could replicate the things that we do on screen. It could have the fatalities. It could have the brutal fights. It could have all that without feeling very tame and very toned down. And then like you look at stuff that actually happens in the trailer after the red band appears and that fully confirms that you have stuff like straight off the bat, Sub-Zero freezes Jax's arms and rips them off. Sure, Ermac does it in the game, but in this case when they connect it that way, oh my god, I have never been so excited to see someone's arms explode. <laughs> I've never been so excited to just see gore in a film because as I said, I, I really enjoy Mortal Kombat 1995, but the one thing I keep saying is bad with it is the fact that they just couldn't replicate the fatalities, they couldn't replicate the fighting that it is so known for, so infamous for, because it was being held back by that rating. But now it had the rating it needed to be as gory as it wanted, to really go to town. There's a little sizzle reel at the end of that trailer, and it just confirms all my hopes. It really just sort of showed, okay, we're going all in on this. You're gonna see some crazy shit, my friend. <laughs> That's basically what it promised me. And if it delivered or not, I'll get onto that in a bit. Next up, you had the characters. Now, this got me super excited because, like, while video game movies are notoriously bad, there's a literal curse joke going around that there is never a good video game movie because of this evil curse. And this had me excited for the one reason a lot of video game movies would. And what was that? It had the characters. It had the actual in-game characters in a live-action setting on the silver screen. And that is just so exciting, no matter what they're like, even if they're like terrible versions or something like that. It's a live action version of the character you know so well and you have played as so long. It's just so cool to see that jump from video game to movie, like that's just an undeniable thing of the fandom where it's like, you just get excited when you see your main guy. I saw Cabal in the trailer, he is my main in Mortal Kombat in all the games that I've played. And I was so giddy because I was like, oh, I know that move! And like, it's just, oh my god, that feeling is just unrivaled, like that is pure fandom right there. <laughs> and this really delivered on characters, in particular Scorpion and Sub-Zero, they had me unbelievably hyped because Scorpion, he looked like a badass. Like I mean his new suit, it was so cool. It had all the bits of armor, his mask was really cool, his hood, he just looked so badass. Not to mention the fact that he's played by freaking Hiroyuki Sanada. Oh my god, like it could not get any more badass than that. Then he had Sub-Zero, he's played by Joe Talsim from The Raid, one of the best movie martial artists since Bruce Lee. Like, oh my god, I was so excited. Then you have stuff like Liu Kang, you have Kung Lao, you have Raiden, you have Jax, you have Sonya. There were so many characters and it was just so, so exciting. And you could see all these little references here and there. You've seen iconic moves happening on the screen and you knew for a fact it was going to be such a good time because it looked like it was going for accuracy and that was being held up by the fact that the writer himself is a massive Mortal Kombat fan and when the guy in charge of the script 
knows the source material, that's when you get a good adaptation. So I was fully all in on this. I was so excited to see them translated across, especially in the modern age, because I seen the CGI, I seen like Sub-Zero with his eyes, having that in actual CGI and making that look photorealistic. That's so cool, that bit where he's walking down the street and all the ice is raising into the air, or the bit where he makes the ice sword. It's all so cool. And then you have stuff like Jax's arms, you have the big fire dragon with Liu Kang. It was really, really good. And like, looking at that and going, okay, they're not gonna be even using like cheesy 90s effects or anything like that. It's going to look like an actual modern day movie. This was going to be it. This was going to be the Mortal Kombat movie I was waiting for, for so long. I was just so unbelievably hyped for this film, like raw hype. I have not felt that for a film in so long. I've gotten excited for them before, sure, but like, I haven't felt this level of hype since Endgame. And that was with the end of a saga that I had been experiencing my whole life. This was just a brand new film, but it was based off a game that I really liked. But like, legitimately, I was just so hopeful for this. Like, it actually looked like it would break the so-called video game movie curse, because it just looked so accurate. It looked like every bit that I loved from the games, the lore, the gore, the fun, all of that was gonna be in this film. And so, I ignored the reviews. I, like, I seen the mix to negative reviews. I seen them, I read them. I just, I knew people apparently didn't like this film. But I wanted to see it myself. I rented it for like 20 quid. And what did I think of it? Well, let's get on to that, shall we? To be honest, guys, this was quite the disappointment. I It breaks my heart to say that. It really does. It just was, to put it into perspective, Mortal Kombat 2021 was aggressively mediocre. It just did not deliver on a lot of the things the trailer promised. It just didn't. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to be singing its praises for certain things. But in other cases, it just left me confused, sad, and mad. <laughs> but it, it is just a movie now. Now, there are two things I'd like to just say before I get into all this stuff, and that is that I very, very recently finished Mortal Kombat 11 story, and it is very, very fresh in my head. So I feel like I know what I'm saying when I'm comparing the movie to it. Then, I also watched the movie twice. <laughs> I watched it once with my absurdly high expectations, the extreme levels of hype that were running through my veins when I first sat down to watch it were immeasurable. But then I left it a day, and I watched it again. I watched Mortal Kombat 2021 twice in two days. <laughs> and in between, I was finishing the game, so I knew what I was going into. <laughs> so this review will hopefully not be too affected by any sort of emotions that I might have felt during the first watching of this, because that's the one thing. I didn't want to have a very reactionary review. I know reviews are basically your reaction to a film, but I wanted this to marinate. I wanted to leave it for a day and come back, see what I thought of it the second time around. Because even like I look at films like Rise of Skywalker, I had such a visceral hatred towards that film the first time, like just confusion and everything like that. And then I went to see it again. And while I was still annoyed, that absurd level of hype that I had going into like the final Star Wars movie, for instance, it was gone. So that meant I could just react to it like a film. I just stick on the TV or something like that. There was no expectations. There was nothing of the sort. So I felt like I could just watch the movie and watch it as a film rather than as an event. So hopefully anyways, like this review makes sense. Hopefully all my thoughts come across properly because I tried recording this three different days and I never was able to sort of capture it the way I wanted to. So here we go. Round one, fight. Okay, so round one, the story. Yeah. <laughs> as I said, Mortal Kombat has some of the best fighting game stories I've ever seen. Like, legitimately, 
the world building, the characters, everything works so well, despite it being so ridiculous. You actually care about everything to begin with, and that gives it a heart. It gives it an emotional center with which you can gravitate towards. Mortal Kombat 2021 doesn't. <laughs> to put it bluntly, it doesn't. If I was to describe the story of Mortal Kombat 2021 in one word, I'd have to use the word rushed. Because that's what it is. It really is. It just sort of feels dull. It feels predictable. It's weird. It feels like nothing happens in it, in all honesty, because it's all set up. It's all flash and no bang. It very much is all style and no substance. And even then, the style isn't all that there all the time. As someone on Letterboxd very kindly put it, it feels like it's just setting up a sequel. That's all it feels like. And there isn't even a sequel confirmed. Like, probably at this stage, with the amount of money it has made, it might get one. But at the time of it being made, there was no guarantee. This might have been the only Mortal Kombat film we could get. And yeah, it just doesn't feel right. It feels like a bad fighting game story, which is exactly what Mortal Kombat isn't. It feels like an A to B situation where it's just like, okay, I guess we have to go here now because we have to go and train. Okay, we have to go here now because we have to go and fight. And like, it's like, it's very simple. And in a bad way, I have seen films that are very simple in sort of plot, but at the same time, they're so good. Mad Max Fury Road, for example. Perfect. The whole story is just one big chase scene. Simple stories, they can be done well. It's just this one felt like very low effort in a way. It didn't have near as much characterization, near as much life, and near as much build up. It just makes so many weird decisions that I just would not expect from a Mortal Kombat movie. Like this film is literally just set up for a Mortal Kombat 2 where they have the tournament because like you look at it, they're gathering champions, they're training the champions and everything like that and saying the tournament, the tournament is the most important thing. It's gonna be the decider of like, you know, whether or not Earthrealm gets destroyed and the tournament just doesn't happen. <laughs> they do a lot of strange things that you just wouldn't expect. Like, perfect example, they make up this thing called Arcana. Now what that is in this film is basically justifying to the audience why characters have superpowers, which isn't needed. <laughs> it kind of takes away from the thing I like where it's like, okay, such a wide variety of characters from all these different places and that's why they all have different powers. But no, instead they decide to make it, okay, you have this special marking on your arm that means that you can unlock your arcana, which is your superpower. Like the stuff like I guess could make sense. For example, uh, Liu Kang, he obviously gets his fireball power through his arcana. That sort of makes sense because it's sort of mystical. But then you have stuff like Kano, where he gets a laser eye because he gets mad at some egg rolls. Like it doesn't make sense. Like his one's the perfect example where it's like later on in the film, that's shown to be an actual metal eye. Did his eye just change into a robot eye? Like. That doesn't make any sense. It really, like, and it's Mortal Kombat. Sure, I can suspend my disbelief because there's ninjas and they're fighting with magic and ice and fire and robot stuff and everything. Like, I can, I don't mind that stuff. It's literally just the fact that the movie doesn't seem to know what's going on itself. It doesn't seem to have its own set rule set. And like, this extends then to stuff like Raiden, who like says he isn't able to interfere, but then at one point in the film, he just does. And he's fine, apparently. <laughs> like, it's just all these, like, little things that the film is telling you, it just sort of ignores, which is, it's weird. You can't get invested in a world that doesn't follow its rules that it's set out. And then, speaking of world, like, there's not much world building at all. Like, you have, sure, you have stuff like the pictures in Sonya's place where it's like, uh, she did all this research on all Mortal Kombat stuff in the past. Then you have the hall in the temple where it's like, you know, all these pictures of, like, Goro and everything like that from, like, the history of the tournament. Like, all that stuff there, but other than that, like, there's not much, like, for instance, Outworld, the Netherrealm, two of the biggest, sort of, factors of the story and the world building, they're non-existent, basically. 
Outworld is a mountain. <laughs> That's about it. Like, we see nothing except a big set of steps, basically, and this one dusty pathway. And then you have stuff like the Nether Realm. That's just, you know that meme with the dog where he's just like, this is fine. That's what the Nether Realm is. It's just a big wall of fire rather than this big undead kingdom that is just terrifying and like, you know, has all revenants and everything. No, it's just, it's just, it's just fire. It's all fire. <laughs> Scorpion stands there for a couple of centuries, you know, just vibing. Like, yeah, it takes away stuff that the games had that were super interesting, like Outworld, the Nether Realm, the tournament. Takes away all that stuff, and it doesn't replace it with stuff that I like. It it replaces it like the Arcana thing. That just gives the impression that they think that the audience is stupid, and they can't accept the fact that, hey, this guy might have a cyborg eye, or hey, this guy over here, he can shoot fire. Like, it's in all that sort of stuff where it's like, you're going into Mortal Kombat, you can suspend your disbelief for a bit. <laughs> and then there's the characters. The characters all just feel so one note. There is no growth to them. There is no emotion to them, really. It's all just so archetypal, stereotypical, like, they all just sort of feel like tools to the overall plot. They don't feel like actual characters, actual people, like the Mortal Kombat characters I know and love would. You know, for instance, as I said, to bring back to Johnny Cage, you see his evolution to actually become a decent person after being an asshole for so long. In this case, characters at the start of the film are the exact same as they were at the end of the film. Like, you know, a little maybe token plot point here or there for them, but nothing substantial at all. So yeah, I have a little list here of all the characters, and I'm just gonna go through each and give my general thoughts on them, and we'll just see how we go, because there's some bad, there's some good, but it's all very mixed. Now let's start off with the one character I was questioning from the very beginning, and that is Cole Young, and he is exactly what I thought he'd be. Like, I was confused, to say the least, just because I was like, there's hundreds of characters in the Mortal Kombat mythology. Scorpion, Liu Kang, Raiden, all these different characters that would make brilliant protagonists, but like, no. They decide to make their own guy. Sure, I like changes, like there's always new characters in Mortal Kombat, let's give it a go. But he is exactly as I imagined. He just feels so fake. You've seen a million Cole Youngs already in different films, that's the thing. He is one of the most default action movie heroes I've ever seen because, yeah, he has a family, he has a secret past. Whoa, he has to believe in himself to unlock this special power. You see where I'm going with this, it's just like... Yeah, I just, I feel like it would have been a lot more interesting if they picked someone like Scorpion, who I'll get onto in a minute, where, like, that character is so iconic and, like, you already sort of know who they are going in, and then, like, the, the film can build off of that, rather than, like, okay, the audience is dumb, they need a very bog-standard protagonist with which to see through the eyes of, like, I mean, so many films fall victim to it, you look at stuff like even, like, even stuff like Guillermo del Toro's first Hellboy, where he had the agent and stuff like that, and then when they found out people liked Hellboy, they just got rid of him and sent him to literal Antarctica, like, there's stuff like that, like, yeah, I just, I feel like they could have done so much better with the variety of characters they had, rather than pick, oh, here's another protagonist you've seen a million times, you know? Next, let's sort of bundle together two in one. We have Kung Lao and Liu Kang. Now, I was very excited to see these guys. Kung Lao is one of my mains in the game, and uh, Liu Kang. Like, I mean, he is probably only second to Scorpion for most iconic Mortal Kombat character. Like, like everyone knows Liu Kang. And they were just very boring. They just didn't have much life to them. They were, literally, all they were were just, hey, we're martial artists that know what's going on with Mortal Kombat. We'll just give you exposition and talk down to you because you can't fight as good as us. And it's like, yeah, they just felt like very basic support characters that didn't really have much to do or much to say and it's, it was disappointing just especially as i said with stuff like such mainstays such recognizable characters to have them just reduced to oh yeah we're gonna just teach you how to fight for a bit but other than that you know we don't have anything to say really then you have lord raiden who is just unbelievably unlikable like i was very surprised how 
rude and sort of obnoxious this guy was. He was very stubborn, I suppose, and just very unlikable, as I said. He just was very snappy, and I keep comparing to the games, but in the games, Raiden is known for being, yeah, protector of Earth Realm, and he wants to train the people. He wants to bring people who are mere mortals and bring them up to the level of these superhuman fighters just to be able to, you know, help protect the world. He really actually cares about all the people in the world, whereas with this reign, I don't know if the director told Asano to be, you know, like just very godly, very omniscient, and very Dr. Manhattan-ish, I suppose, but like, yeah, he just felt very emotionless and wooden. I literally prefer Mortal Kombat 1995's Christopher Lambert as Raiden, but French, because at least that guy had memorability. He was a character. He was likable. <laughs> he was stupid, but like, he was actually a character rather than, hey, you can't fight. Like, you know, it's just, uh, I, d I don't know. I didn't like Raiden in this one. But yeah, like, he just felt like an actual character in the 1995 version, whereas with this one, he just isn't memorable, he's very forgettable. He doesn't have anything to add except for, like, you know, just talking down to people, and I don't like that. Plus his eyes look stupid. <laughs> Every time- I could not take him seriously. As soon as, like, that first shot where you see his eyes be revealed as all lightning-y, I was just like, if they stay like that the full time, I am going to be laughing. And I was. <laughs> to keep with the theme of comparing to Mortal Kombat 1995, Shang Tsung was bad in this. Like, actually bad. Like, the guy from The Dark Knight played him, and it just, he, he wasn't good. He was very much, I'm evil wizard man, look at me do evil wizard stuff, I'm going to take over the world sort of thing. It's like, he had nothing to him. He was a Saturday morning cartoon villain. And even then, Skeletor is funny. <laughs> like, this guy was just so dull, so boring, didn't have anything to add. He was definitely no Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, I'll tell you that much. He said something like, their souls are mine, but he did not put any effort into it. He could not beat the perfection of 1995 Shang Tsung. And I didn't expect that, but I just, I wanted him to at least be a bit interesting, but he wasn't. <laughs> Real surprises for me were stuff like Cabal and Melina. Now, Cabal is my main. He is the guy that I play in every Mortal Kombat game where he was available. So, I'm, as I said, I really like the NetherRealm games, and especially in Eleven, he is my main. He is my guy. <laughs> he is my boy. He's this fast speedster guy who has two hook swords that he just latches into people and flips them around the place. It's absolutely amazing. He's in it, but he's very briefly in it. Like, very briefly in it. And the same goes for Melina, where, like, neither of them have many lines. Like, they just are both there to go, like, sort of like, hey, you know that guy. And I'm like, hey, I do. Is he a character in this? No, not really. <laughs> like, Cabal talks like a Redditor in this. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, they were very much like the 1995 movie having like a bunch of characters in it for the sake of having a bunch of characters in it. Like, you know, like just not being similar at all to the actual game, disregarding like their stories in a lot of ways and stuff. They didn't have any interest in them. And also, why was Melina there first when Katana is a major part of her story? And like, <laughs> that's the thing. There's a lot of things I just was questioning with those two and they just didn't, they had nothing to add to the story except the body count. Right, now let's go on to a couple of characters I actually liked because there were a couple of standouts that actually did pretty well. Uh, Jax and Sonya, they were quite good. Like, don't get me wrong, they had their own stereotypes. Like, Sonya was just there like, I'm army lady, I want to prove myself sort of thing. And then you have Jax, who was very much an army guy as well. And like, they were very exposition-y. As I said, Sonya just has a wall of exposition. <laughs> you know, it's just there. And then um, Jax is very much telling Cole like about Sub-Zero and stuff we'll get onto later on. But they had something there, because Jax and Sonya, they're like a duo in the games, and they captured that quite well, because like they felt like they actually sort of cared about each other, and they were best friends, they wanted to make sure the other one survived this sort of thing. And then there was the character that I did not expect to carry the film, but very much made the film 
as entertaining as it was, he was the main source of entertainment. And that was Kano! Oh my god, they actually nailed Kano, like, as in legitimately... The guy, I don't know the guy who plays him, but the guy who plays him was an exact copy of Kano in the video games. Like, he was a straight-up asshole, but he was so likeable for some reason because he was just so funny. Like, I was constantly laughing at his quips and his one-liners. Like, he's hilarious, just even, like, the way he just reacts to the, like, world of Mortal Kombat, the superpowers and everything like that. And he's just, like, very nonchalant about everything. He still makes sure to insult every single person he meets. Like, he was the most accurate thing in this whole film. He very much was the character just dropped on a screen and I absolutely loved every second of it. Now you've probably realised I haven't mentioned two characters, two characters that are arguably the two most iconic, most recognisable characters in the entirety of Mortal Kombat and that's because I kind of wanted to take this section just to discuss it because I don't know how to feel about it. I very much think they did a lot wrong and a lot right. Now who are those two? Obviously it is Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Now the opening to this film was spectacular. Like, legitimately jaw-dropping. One of the best action scenes, one of the best opener scenes I have seen in a film in quite a while. Like, it perfectly sets up the rivalry between Sub-Zero and Scorpion that, for the longest time with the movies, just hasn't been explored. Basically what it does is it tells the tragic backstory of Scorpion back in feudal Japan. His wife, his child, viciously murdered by Sub-Zero and the Lin Kuei. And that leads to the coolest action scene in this film, in my opinion, where he's slicing up Lin Kuei assassins and then he's, like, throwing his kunai everywhere and, like, pulling people in with a rope and just skewering people. It is so cool. And it builds up to this fight against Sub-Zero after he killed his family and like they're fighting with each other and it's, re it's actually really good. Like it's like at that point they're both equals, purely like hit for hit. They are just on top of one another. And of course that eventually results in what happens in the games, which is Scorpion or Hanzo Hisashi as he's known at that point, gets killed by Sub-Zero, also known as Bihan at the time. And it was amazing. As I said, it was so good. It was so exciting to see on screen. But that's about it for the rivalry. Like, there's a scene at the end, which I'll get to in a minute, but they just don't explore it any further. They just have that set up and they leave it. Like, you don't know why Sub-Zero wants to kill Scorpion. You don't know anything about the Shirai Ryu or the Lin Kuei, which is the main reason, basically, they're rival clans and they're fighting each other. That doesn't get mentioned or brought up really at all, besides the odd, for the Shirai Ryu or for the Lin Kuei. You just, you don't know what's going on unless you've played the games. And it was very disappointing because it was setting it up so perfectly. Like, legitimately, I could have watched an entire film of just them two fighting. That's what I thought it would be because of the marketing. The marketing has both of them always the biggest thing on the posters. One of the main posters is literally just their faces. But the film decides to do something else. The film, as I said, it goes off and does its own story after arguably probably like this best 10 minutes of the whole film. And this is where I got really annoyed because Scorpion most iconic character in not only Mortal Kombat, but also in video games by a mile. Like, literally, he is the face of Mortal Kombat. He's in this film twice. Two scenes, both of which are in the trailers, one of which, that scene I was on about that action scene that I love so much, it's on YouTube. It's literally, it was uploaded as promotional material that you could see. So if you've seen that, you've seen most of Scorpion in this film. And I was, I was pissed. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I was very much feeling like I had been betrayed or done dirty. I was shocked because of how prominent he is on every bit of marketing. They really sent home the message that he's gonna be the star of this. He's gonna be in every scene nearly. But no, he's in two. <laughs> and it's such a shame because Hiroyuki Sanada is such a good actor and he's so perfect in the role. Like literally, as I said, that opening scene, he was amazing. And then like his whole Scorpion getup, it is so cool. 
easily the most cool thing in this whole film, but he just gets barely used. And like, I mean, they have their story reasons for it and stuff like that. If the marketing didn't focus on him so much, I wouldn't have been near as annoyed. It was the fact that they convinced me, okay, he's a main character, not just like a Final Fantasy summon at the end like he ends up being. But yeah, that just had me really annoyed because that was the biggest reason I was excited for this film and it only is in two scenes, as I said. But yeah, for the thing I was most excited for, to be limited to that little screen time, especially for how much I absolutely adored his performance and adored his presence. Yeah, it was just a bit of a bummer, to be honest. But now let's get on to the other guy who was actually in the film quite a lot, Sub-Zero. I thought he was really good. I thought his whole portrayal by Joe Taslim was really interesting. It was actually a take I didn't think they'd go. And that is, they made him a bloody horror movie villain, because he had such a presence to him. Everywhere he went, he was basically indestructible. Like, he very much rivaled that of Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees because he just, like, he was terrifying. <laughs> like, the film used these little horror movie tropes of, like, notifying the audience that he's coming because, like, they have stuff like snow would start to fall and the windows would start to freeze over and stuff and you just get that, oh crap, <laughs> sort of moment. Like, they did his powers really cool. Like, the CGI... <laughs> I just realised I said cool. Pun not intended, but very much intended. Anyways, <laughs> I'm keeping this in. Um, yeah, his powers were really cool. Like, like they actually did a really good job at making it look realistic almost. Like, the CGI was seamless. It looked like actual ice. And, like, just seeing the way he used it, like, his ice sword and, like, throwing the ice everywhere and even stuff like that one bit on the street where he lifts up the sort of falling snow and it all turns into ice shards that he can use as projectiles. It was really cool. He was really badass. Like, he looked unstoppable. He was threatening. Like, he was the main villain of the film so of course he'd need to be threatening but like especially that street scene effortlessly intimidating like there was some stuff i didn't like about him like the fact that yeah as i said i already said like the rivalry it doesn't really get explained much we don't look at the lingue or anything like that in the games they become like cyborgs and everything at one stage it's all really fascinating but like none of that gets explored and then also he's kind of comedically villainous <laughs> with some stuff where he like freezes children and stuff it's just it's a bit weird sometimes but overall I thought he was done so well like even stuff like the fight scenes in every fight scene he's blow for blow with everyone whether it's Jax or Scorpion or Cole like you can actually tell that uh, Joe Talsim is a master of martial arts like he is proper cool in this film and yeah as I said I think he's just one of the best characters in the film round two fight now, speaking of fights, I should probably go on to the actual combat itself in Mortal Kombat, because, like, it's a fighting game, of course there's gonna be some fight scenes in this film. And for the most part, it's pretty well done. Like, as I said, that opening scene, the closing scene as well, phenomenal. Sub-Zero versus Scorpion, easily the best thing to take away from this whole film. Like, they nailed those fight scenes. Like, they were so well choreographed, just so entertaining. It really came across like two masters of their craft, like going at each other, like they're amazing performers and they're amazing martial artists, and that really did show. But then they had some really weird approaches, whether it was like the editing, it could feel really choppy at times, where it's like it almost hides the skill of some of the fighters. Like even as I said, there's scenes where Sub-Zero is fighting other people, and it's really strangely edited sometimes where it's like it cuts away from him and that, and that sort of takes away overall from his actual skill. Then there's like this one part where there's multiple fights going on simultaneously that they sort of just did weird. It was like an Avengers-esque scene where Cole is talking to the rest, giving a motivational speech, and he's explaining who each person will fight. But like, it was so weirdly done because they just montaged through it. I went to Mortal Kombat to see these fights happen in real time, and like they sort of do but it was just as I said it was just really weird editing and they didn't let the fight scenes speak for themselves they had to have someone talking over them and it was a bit disappointing because it felt like they were just sort of going and rushing through these fights and just going okay let's get them done with 
because there were, like I would have fully watched like five minutes of Cabal and Liu Kang fighting like uninterrupted but um, yeah like they sort of just put everything together and then there's cases of even stuff like there's this one particular scene that annoyed me where it was Jax fighting I forget the name of the guy he was a really deep cut character and he had this big hammer basically Jax goes and beats him up kills him he's admittedly a really cool move he smashes his head into a million pieces like with his big metal arms but they made the strange decision of having it take place on the iconic pit stage in Mortal Kombat. Now, if you don't know what the pit stage is, it's this big rickety bridge that's hundreds of meters above, just loads of spikes. Like, it's an iconic stage fatality where you just throw them off the side and they fall to their death and just get scared. They just didn't do it. They just had, okay, here's the pit of spikes. That's about it. We're not gonna throw anyone in it. Like, it's like, like if you have it on the screen, please use it. Like, I would have been perfectly fine with Jax smashing the guy's head and then throwing him off. But no, it just sort of cuts away. Like, don't give me the spikes if you're not gonna scare someone. I don't know, it, it was a bit weird. But don't get me wrong, the fights were actually quite entertaining in a lot of cases. You had iconic characters doing their iconic moves, so I was very happy with a lot of them. The funniest moment in this entire film was Liu Kang spamming his sweep attack. He has this one move in the game where he just goes down and does a leg sweep and, you know, trips the person up. It's a very cheap move, and most of all, it's very easy just to spam over and over and over again and piss off the other player. He does that in this film. Kano is, like, proper trying to fight him, and he just keeps sweeping him under the leg, and it's the funniest thing. I was belly laughing. And then Kano tries to actually jump over the leg like you would in Mortal Kombat if you're fighting against someone with that tactic, and he still trips up, and he gets so pissed off, much like you would in the game. And Liu Kang's there laughing, much like you would be if you were doing that move, because it is so cheap, but the fact they recognize that stuff, that's where you can see the guy who wrote this film is a fan because it is apparent at times and then you have stuff like iconic moves as I said like the bicycle kick Liu Kang does where he's just rat -a -tat -a -tat -tat, like kicking the person in the face going across the stage it's hilarious somehow keeping in midair then you have stuff like the iconic spear throw Scorpion does where he goes get over here and pulls you over with the chain then you have stuff like as I said yeah even Jax he has this really fast punching move that he does that's really cool and of course stuff like Kung Lao throwing his hat and then there's some fatalities that happen. Like, they actually did go ahead with some fatalities that are really well done. I was so happy. I was grinning from ear to ear in a kind of messed up way, probably because people viciously being murdered. But I was grinning from ear to ear when fatalities that I wanted to appear appeared. <laughs> as soon as Kung Lao threw that hat at the ground and it started spinning like a buzzsaw, I knew exactly what was going to happen next. And I bloody cheered. <laughs> as... <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Seeing someone just get split down the middle the exact same way they would in the game, it's just really cool. You see Scorpion, he does his flame move where he burns the person to death, like it's been there since the first game, where, where you see a skull and he just breathes fire and burns the person to crisp. Like, there are some really cool moments in there where they proper replicate things that happen in the game, and that was really cool to see. Like, as I said, there was a lot I actually really liked in this film, it's just it was sort of buried underneath a pretty lackluster story and some pretty bad characters at times. And in the end, like, those parts were actually really fun. They captured the moments that I wanted captured from Mortal Kombat. Like, the story definitely diluted the dumb fun because the whole point of dumb fun is you still sort of care about what's going on, whereas with this you just didn't really because you didn't like the characters and the story didn't make much sense. But 
For what it was, like, the individual fight scenes themselves, a lot of the time, they were excellently done. Also, I need to give a quick shout out to the fact that they actually use Techno Syndrome. Like, if you don't know what that is, that's the sort of music, like, for, I was doing at the start and stuff. Like, that's the iconic music that came about in the 1995 version. And, like, it's super cheesy in that. They made it sort of a dubstepy version, the more synthy version. But it works really well for the film, and I was so happy to just hear Mortal Kombat be yelled at the start of a fight, it was amazing. Like, that really had me excited. That showed me, okay, there are some fans behind this, there are good bits to it. Cause I don't hate this film. I don't hate this film. I just am disappointed by it because I had such high expectations. That's why I sort of came to learn. Because after the first time I watched it, I was quite annoyed, but that's why I needed to sit down and watch it again, where I had actually a bit more fun with it. Because I didn't have these obscene expectations for a Mortal Kombat movie. Like, I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> Final round. Fight! But yeah, like, I don't hate this movie. I think it's disappointingly mediocre, but it makes up for it with a lot of fun stuff for fans. Like, out of five, I would have to give it a three, like, because it is just middle-of-the-road movie. It's extremely watchable. That is one thing I will say. Like, take that for what you will. It's good, it's also bad in a way, because you just can't feel invested. This is the perfect movie to stick on when you're having a few drinks, you're just talking, you're doing stuff and you have it on the background, every now and again a cool fight scene comes on or someone gets split in half and you can just sit down and watch that. But for the movie I was sort of hoping for, that would involve a lot more story stuff, a lot more to do with Sub-Zero and Scorpion's rivalry, and just a lot more interesting characters, it did disappoint. But at the end of the day, I actually do want a sequel for this. I, I'm glad that it actually got enough money to possibly warrant one. Because I want to see more of this universe, I want to see them improve, learn from their mistakes. Now that the Mortal Kombat tournament can actually take place and it's all set up, do that right. Because, yeah, I, they did some weird stuff as well where they like killed off a bunch of characters, like literally a bunch of them. And you're, you're wondering, like the stuff like Goro, he was just reduced to a mere like goon, a mere like heavy that just call out the fight to like believe in himself. But yeah, there's some stuff like that that could hurt a sequel with a lot of characters being dead and everything. But they seem to tease some form of resurrection. So maybe it might mean stuff like, so for instance, Kano, he kicks the bucket. Maybe he'll come back with his actual proper like metal faceplate eye or something like that. Like there's all these different possibilities they could do. The fact that Behan, like Sub-Zero, he dies at the end. That means they could follow the path of the games and have Sub-Zero become Noob Saibot and then Behan's younger brother takes the role of Sub-Zero. Like, there's so much they could actually do with this and there is a lot of potential there. So now hopefully that this movie is out of the way and the prequel, it's it's basically a prequel and it sort of sets up the sequel. I want to see them do what Venom 2 appears to be doing. I don't know if Venom 2 is going to be any good, it hasn't come out yet. It might be terrible, this might age terribly, but with Venom 2's trailer, they seem to be recognising where their strengths were in the original movie and where they faltered. So they're doing stuff like in Venom too. They're focusing a lot more on the banter between Eddie and Venom, and then they also have a much more interesting villain compared to the last time around. Like, I want to see stuff like that. I want to see deeper characters. I want to see new characters. They tease stuff like Johnny Cage at the end, possibly being in the next one if they have another one. And I just, I want to see more with Outworld. I want to see more with the Nether Realm. I want to see more with Scorpion. <laughs> I want to see him back. I just really do, because like, he was by far my favorite part of this whole film. He was excellent. He just, as I said, I've said it a million times over, he was so, so good. So if we were to rank this like I ranked the other stuff where the lore, the gore, and the fun. Lore, not good. Just not good. The story, like as much as the story in Mortal Kombat 1995 isn't amazing, I thought they did a better job at sort of pulling stuff in from the video games compared to this one. The gore, 
it was amazing. They did such a good job at one-to-oneing so many different attacks and moves from the game into the film. Especially when compared to the PG-13 rating of the 1995 version, which was very, very tame. Seeing someone get split down the middle, seeing someone just get burned to a crisp, seeing all these different sort of gory fights happen. It's just really good, and I'm glad they finally got to do a movie with fatalities, with blood, with guts, all that stuff. <laughs> and finally, the all-important question, was it fun? First time around, no. After seeing it twice, yeah, it was fun enough. Once the initial disappointment of the first viewing was gone, and I could look at it without any sort of bias or any sort of like excitement, I had a decent time. The second time around was much better than the first, because I knew stuff the second time around. I couldn't have been near as disappointed. I knew stuff like Scorpion was barely going to be in it, but it meant I could appreciate him in it even more. There was stuff like the characters, I knew they weren't going to be too good, but I could focus on stuff like all the moves they do and all the fights. Like, that's the thing. The hype definitely ruined this film for me. There's no doubt about it. But also, that was sort of brought on by itself because of how good the trailer was and how much they sort of promised. But at the end of the day, was it fun? I think so. I'd watch it again. I have the urge to watch it again, despite my rent is finished. I can't actually watch it again unless I pay like 20 quid. I'm not gonna. But I am gonna buy this on DVD. And that's something I didn't expect to want to say, you know, after seeing it the first time. But as I said, the second viewing, that can often just really change your opinion. Like, it didn't massively change my opinion on the film. But at the end of the day, it made me enjoy the things I enjoyed even more. So if I was to give this a rating, as I said, three stars. I think you should watch it if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, if you're a video game fan. It doesn't break the video game movie curse. It just does not. I was really hoping it would, but it just, it didn't. It did a lot of the tropes that video game movies do. Messing up characters, adding new ones, changing rules, not following rules, taking out major plot points and replacing them with other contrived things. Like, it does a lot wrong. But it does enough right to be fun. And that's all I really want. I know this review probably sounds extremely negative. It's very mixed for me, like, I feel very similar to how a lot of the reviewers do. But, would I watch it again? Yes. <laughs> Janie, this was probably one of the bigger rambles I've had on this podcast, but I'm glad now, if any of you are still here, still sitting, listening, thanks very much. I'm glad I was able to talk about it now after mentioning it so much and sort of hyping it up that much for myself. But, um, yeah, I hope to do more review stuff like this when more movies come out. Maybe, you know, I'll do it for something like James Bond, because that's another one I'm absurdly hyped for. Or, like, The Green Knight or something like that. There's a lot of films coming out that I'd love to just sit down and chat about to you. Or chat about to the wall, because <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to a wall right now, as I said. Maybe I'll do guests, and I'll see if, like, a bunch of us can go to the cinema or something like that, and then we all sort of chat about it, you know? So I think I'm going to leave this here, and I'm going to have to ring it out with Techno Syndrome, because you know I love that song, <laughs> and I love Mortal Kombat. Nothing will change how much I love this series, and I can't wait to see what they do next. So, I've been James, this has been Deleted Scenes, thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. Flawless victory. Fatality.